Hi folks, Curtis Shelburne here, and welcome to the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. A good place just to be and breathe and hang out for a while as we share some words about life in Christ. And that's all of it, I think. Life, that is. The good, the bad, the fun, the sad, the deepest joys, the toughest sorrows, all of it. I think we're going to have a good time together, and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you tell your friends about it, and I hope you come back. It is very possible, yea, verily likely, that you have never heard of the Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. That's because this is a very new thing. This is, in fact, episode four of four. And I'm really glad you're with us for this little fourth step on a road that I hope takes us on a long and joyful journey. I do know it will be a better journey because you're here. This episode, episode four, is called Freedom is God's Gift, but it is never free. As I'm recording this, we're right on the verge of celebrating our nation's Independence Day, the 4th of July. It's a little strange on this strange year. Well, for a lot of the same reasons this year has been strange. What a year. But I'm so thankful for our nation that it was born, that I'm a citizen of it, and with its admitted flaws, America has been for so much of our world such an amazing beacon of freedom. We're way early in this journey, and I probably should tell you something about me. I don't find me all that boring, but I hate to bore you with too much all at the same time. I'm sure you'll learn more than you want to know about me as this journey continues. Suffice it to say right now that I'm a pastor, a writer, a singer, a record maker, an editor, a copy editor, an audiobook narrator, a husband, a father, a grandfather. Oh, what a wonderful description. And best of all, a child of God. I like telling stories and sharing life, and I hope that some of the stories and anecdotes and experiences we talk about on this podcast you might resonate with as well. I'm kind of thinking right now that in the next episode or two or a few, I might start telling you just a little more in each one about some of these hats that I wear. Maybe that will be enough about me each time around for a while and not an unhealthily large dose. Well, we are here at this very moment as I'm recording right on the verge of the July the 4th weekend, Independence Day, the celebration of the official birth of our nation. Until my family and I moved to Muleshoe, Texas over 35 years ago, and I discovered the largest and the best part of America, the small town part, I had never experienced Independence Day as it probably really ought to be experienced. Since that time, I've gained new love for this special day. I don't know what exactly July 4th means to you. It's just a date, but all wrapped up in that date along with mental images of hot dogs and ice cream and fireworks, are deeper impressions of freedom and liberty and sacrifice. Some very real sacrifices made so that our nation might remain free. And those sacrifices weren't free at all. It's odd, isn't it, that freedom itself is never really free. It is, in fact, a very costly thing. The price was paid in literal blood, sweat, and tears. Many, like me, who have personally paid so little of the price of freedom, but who share mightily in its blessings, tend to forget what a costly thing it is. I hope we don't forget. As a 
Christian, my love for this nation pales beside my allegiance to Christ, who paid the debt to make me truly free. But it still is true that a lifetime of love and devotion to America, this grand experiment in self-government, is not enough even to begin to pay back the debt of gratitude every citizen of this land owes. It's a debt, you see, not just to a flag, a nation, a form of government. It's a debt to the men and women who paid with their very lives, who endured a great deal of pain, put their own liberty on the line, ordinary people who showed extraordinary courage and uncommon unselfishness by willingly laying aside their own comfort and personal pleasure so that other ordinary people like you and me could live as free men and women in a land whose founders recognized liberty as an inalienable gift bestowed not by any government, but by our Creator. And I know that we're far from perfect. I know there are a lot of things that this land can do better. We've been talking about some of those things lately. I understand that. But I don't think we do those things better by loving this nation less. I think we do them by loving this nation more. And I love the fact that we in this nation cherish the freedom of speech. You can absolutely disagree with me, but I hope that I will absolutely protect your right to say in a peaceful manner whatever you believe is true. Because, you see, you have freedom of speech, and so do I. We're free. The debt that we owe to those who've gone before us is real. You don't have to belong to a particular political party to begin to pay it. You don't have to belong to any party at all. You just need to realize that safeguarding our freedom, freedom to belong to a party, to not belong to a party, freedom of speech, to say what we believe, these amazing freedoms did not come cheaply. You don't have to agree with the domestic or foreign policy of a particular administration of government to begin to pay back that debt. You don't have to be pleased with the quality of nominees for high office. Good thing. You don't have to really agree at all with anything and everything that anybody says. You just have to realize that the right that they have to say it peacefully is a beautiful and a precious thing. And I think we have to realize that even if we disagree completely with what other people are saying, we should agree completely on the fact that they have every right to say it. And in this land, if we don't have the right to say things that may be controversial and others may disagree with, well, if we don't have that right, how can we be said to be free? And I really think that that right is something that is incredibly precious and if people begin taking away freedoms from those whose opinions they just disagree with, and so it's okay to take away their right to speech, then who's next? The right to free speech. What a beautiful, wonderful thing among the great freedoms that we have in this amazing nation. No, you don't need to like everything that's gone on in this nation to begin to pay back the debt we all owe. You just need to love this land. You're free not to. That's the amazing thing about freedom. You're free not to acknowledge the blessing, not to appreciate it, not to cherish it. You're free to be selfish and self-seeking, ignorant and arrogant, ungrateful and blind to what is still in the midst of all her many shortcomings and challenges. Very, very good about this land. But as long as enough people of goodwill choose to love this land unselfishly, living and working in ways that show a practical willingness to make sacrifices, large and small, 
to make this country better, one choice at a time, our nation will still be free. You know, I still remember each day at 12 noon, and in my case, since I live near a state line, I could also tune to another radio station across the line, and I could hear at one o'clock the same thing. But I remember that wonderful, optimistic, fantastic voice. Hello, Americans. This is Paul Harvey. Stand by for news. Paul Harvey would tell us about what was going on, give us the high points of the news, give us some encouraging words. He was full of optimism. He loved this land. And I remember one thing that Paul Harvey always said was, self-government without self-discipline will not work. That man loved this country. I hope we love it enough to exercise some self-discipline, to love this land, and to be willing to make some sacrifices for it. Sometimes that means I have to remind myself not saying everything I think and not disagreeing too vociferously with those with whom I very, very roundly disagree, and instead just be thankful that they have the right of free speech to say peacefully what they think, and that all of us working together can make this a better land. Well, here comes July 4th. Boy, this has been a tough year. Boy, this has been a strange year. But I hope you can celebrate and really enjoy the celebration as we do it appropriately this year, and with all the rules that we have to follow as we do some of that distancing and whatever, and you may have to look a little harder to find some of the fireworks, but I bet you can find them. You may have to change the way that uh, you enjoy the ice cream and the hot dogs and all of that together, but I bet there are ways. I hope you have a great 4th of July celebration. What a blessing. Now, at this point in the podcast, what I anticipate in the future is that I will throw in a little bit of an ad here. This Focus on Faith podcast brought to you by and talk a little bit about our sponsor. We may have a sponsor one of these days, but we really don't have an official sponsor or two or three just yet. Sponsor or not, I will definitely be telling you a little bit along about some of my own music and books and even some free things that I think you might enjoy and that I'll definitely want to share with you. But right now, what I'd really appreciate most of all, if you enjoy what you're hearing here, is for you to subscribe and tell somebody else about the podcast and where to find it so that maybe they'll subscribe too. You very likely at this point already have a podcast player app, and you found this podcast on that app, and that's easy to do. Right now, we already are on almost all of the apps in their search engine. You can find Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne. Just plug it in there and and do a little search. It'll probably come up. It may be that the very simplest way for you to listen or subscribe right now is just to go to your computer or other device and just go straight to my website at www.curtisshelburn, no space, and there's an E on the end of that, .com, www.curtisshelburn.com. At the top right, click on Podcast. You can listen to episodes right there, but I hope you'll go ahead and subscribe while you're at it. Drop on down and you'll see the names of a bunch of podcast directories and player apps where you can find this podcast, and you can take it from there. Thanks for listening, and thanks for subscribing. And now, let's focus on faith. The closer a soldier was to fierce combat during any war, the less likely he'll want to talk about it years later. 
At least that's been my experience in talking with those who've fought in wars. My wife's father, Milton E. Mick Cotton, served for 41 months during World War II. He left Turkey, Texas in March 1942 and was honorably discharged as a technical sergeant in September 1945, a good example of the folks Stephen Ambrose writes eloquently about in his book, Citizen Soldier. Mick had no particular desire to be a soldier. Like most who did the real fighting and bleeding, he just wanted to survive and get the job done right, and as soon as possible, so he and his buddies could go home. He didn't like to talk about what doing that job entailed, and he almost never did. We could get him to talk about it a little bit, but I could tell pretty quickly it was painful for him, and we rarely tried. I do remember some fire in his eyes when the name of General Patton came up. Mick rarely said anything bad about anybody, but he was among the ordinary soldiers who despised Patton as an arrogant jerk who needed to think more about his troops and less about his own glory. Well, I don't want to mess with history or with the movie, but uh, you're entitled to your own opinion. I know what Mix was. We've done a little research to trace Mix's path during World War II. I don't know how excited he'd be about this. Like so many others then and now, he went to war so most of us wouldn't have to, so we could get on with our ordinary lives. I do think he'd like us to remember the ordinary folks who paid a price because they knew day-to-day life in freedom is precious. Mick fought in some serious battles, including the bloodiest battle of that bloody war, the Battle of the Bulge. We have a little notebook where he listed the names of men in his mortar and other squads, shortages of men in squads, colors of smoke for forward lines, flanks, etc., and names and addresses of some of his men's next of kin. Mick fought in three major campaigns and more smaller ones. He was wounded on December 3rd and December 16, 1944. Shrapnel ripped into his body and through his hand. He lay in the snow in Normandy, saved from bleeding to death by miserable cold. A War Department telegram informed his parents that he had been seriously wounded. That's all they knew for way too long. Mick then wrote from the hospital in England where he got a letter from his friend and lieutenant calling him the best non-commissioned officer in the company and saying, that hole in your right chest had me pretty worried. Mick did finally come home. He married and he and his brother-in-law ran a gas station in Turkey, Texas. He farmed there for the rest of his life. My wife remembers as a little girl sitting on his lap when he had his shirt off, tracing with her fingers the shrapnel scars on his chest. In one of our closets at home is a little envelope, and inside that little envelope, nestled inside a larger envelope, amidst the documents and papers and other memorabilia from mixed war service, are some small little pieces of shrapnel that the surgeons dug out of Mick after he was wounded in that terrible battle. Those little pieces of metal are mute witness to the fact that a citizen soldier named Mick Cotton and so many thousands of others went to war one time to help keep us free. Bullies have to be stopped. A world can't be put into bondage and people just sit still and let it happen. I'm thankful for what Mick did, 
And Mick would be the first to say he wasn't anybody special. He was just a, a man from Turkey, Texas, doing his duty for his country, for his family, for his buddies, doing what had to be done at a time when people just had to step up. I'm thankful for that. And I never look at those little pieces of metal without thinking about what freedom costs. My wife's mother framed Mick's medals in a shadow box. He'd earned, among others, two purple hearts, the French Croix de Guerre, and a bronze star. There was talk from one of his former officers, and a letter or two, I think, that a building at Fort Knox might be named in his honor. It never happened. We assume it had to do with some budget cuts of the day. I will say that Mick ended up with something far better than a building named in his honor. I'm so proud that Mick's blood runs in the veins of my seven grandchildren. I think they're all pretty special, and all of Mick's grandchildren were pretty special. And yet, there's one little guy, a great nine-year-old, among our bunch, whose name is McCade Hall Shelburne. Yeah, named after Mick. Pretty sweet thing, I think. Pretty great, Papa Mick. Did you know you can buy medals online? You can get that French Croix de Guerre, that war cross, for $35.99. You can get a bronze star for $22.99. You can get a purple heart for $44.99. I don't think you'd even get into four figures if you tried to sell mixed medals online. But Mick and so many others who have served and are serving our nation in whatever war, in whatever capacity, paid a far higher price. And they didn't do it for medals. Freedom is not free. The blood on lots of hills screams out that truth. And none screams it more loudly than blood shed on a hill called Mount Calvary. Well, again, thank you for joining us on this Focus on Faith with Curtis Shelburne podcast. I'm so glad you chose to join us, and I hope you'll come back and spend some time with us again. If you like it, why don't you tell some friends about it? Sure would appreciate it. Have a great day.